Well, today we're wrapping up the series that we've been in throughout this new year called I Quit. And we've been looking each week at different things that we need to quit so that we can become the person that God wants us to be. And so we talked about why we should quit holding on to old grudges, why we should quit living for the approval of other people, why we should quit hiding. Last week we had a fun one, why we should quit talking to God so much and why we should actually start listening to Him every once in a while. And today we're going to wrap up this series with a final thing that you and I need to quit so that we can become the people that God wants us to be. And I want to let you know that even though the series is ending, I want you to continue quitting things in your life that are holding you back from becoming all that God wants you to be. This isn't just something, you know what, hey, January's over, the New Year's in, I'm, I'm good now. I want to challenge you to quit something on a regular basis. And Bob Goff, who wrote a book called Love Does, he tells of a creative ritual he has to help him continue quitting things regularly. And he has what he calls quitting Thursdays. And so every single Thursday, he quits something new. So one Thursday, um, he, he quit having a traditional office, and he's kind of a, a weird dude, and he began having his office on a lobster boat instead. So he said, you know what, I'm quitting that old lifestyle. One Thursday, he said, you know what, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit leaving voicemails for people because everybody hates voicemail, right, in the back and forth. Anybody in here hate voicemails? So he said, look, I'm gonna, I hate them. One Thursday, he said, you know what, I'm serving on this board of a nonprofit. This isn't for me anymore. And so he said, you know what, hey, guys, I quit. I got to free up some time and energy. And so he quit something every Thursday, um, sometimes just for practical reasons, sometimes because it's, it's taking up energy in his life, and sometimes there's kind of deeper things going on, and he quits more serious things, like the Thursday that he quit keeping score, the Thursday that he quit going over his past over and over again in his mind, always trying to analyze what happened and what went wrong. Every week, he tries to quit something, and he says that he does this because we can't change much if we don't quit much. And I love that quote. We can't change much if we don't quit much. And so even after this series is over, I want you to continue quitting things in your life that are holding you back from who God wants you to be. And this morning, we're going to look at one final thing. And that is, I quit negative thinking. When we planned this series, this week was kind of open. We didn't have a specific topic scheduled. And what we did is we looked at that back wall and heard from you throughout the month of January of what's one thing people were really wanting to quit in this new year. And so this morning, we're going to talk about something that might seem small, but can actually have a large impact on our lives. And I don't know if you're like me, but I mean, when I think about negative thoughts, a lot of times I'm just running through life, just living every day. And so I don't even think about my thoughts. I mean, I, I'm just running from this thing to that thing, from, from this appointment to that engagement, to that conflict, to that birthday party. And so a lot of times, if you're like me, we don't even think about what we think about. But this morning, before we dive into the message, really, I want you to pause and think about what you think about. I want you to do a thought audit. And so if you have your bulletin, I want you to open it up. And if you didn't get one, you can share with the person next to you. And you'll see there's a little scale there on the right side. I want you to take a pen and to literally score yourself right now. 
I want you to think about what you think about. Begin circling on there in these different categories how your thought life trends. So does it trend towards more worry or towards more peace? And you can circle the number that represents where you are in that spectrum there. Does your thought life tend to be more fearful? Always thinking about what's the worst thing that could happen? Or do you tend to be more faith-filled? Thinking about what, what God can do in you and through you. Are you kind of a hopeless person? Maybe you despair a lot. Or are you more hopeful? Are you angry all the time? Or do you tend to be more calm? And then that last one is just kind of an overarching number. Do your thoughts tend to be more negative or positive? So I want you to take, take just a moment and actually fill this out. And now don't score somebody else next to you, okay? Just score yourself. This is a self-assessment, not a group assessment. So take a second, score yourself, and see where you are as you think about what you think about. Okay, now I want you to raise your hands if you're, no, we're not going to, no, we're not going to share, we're not going to share our results. We're not going to share our results here. But when I, I scored myself earlier this week on here, you know, I got to tell you, a little bit of worry began to creep up in me uh, at my results. Began to have a little despair because I always pride myself on being, you know, a great student, very studious, getting high marks. When I look at this score, my, my score isn't as high as I want it to be. And, you know, school scores, they can kind of matter for some things. They don't matter for everything. But this score actually does matter because our thoughts matter. Our thoughts matter and have a huge, huge impact on our lives. And I love the way that it's put in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. In the New King James Version, it says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart or in your mind, so you are. Here we begin to see this wisdom from Proverbs about how our thoughts affect our lives. And this is something people have been thinking about for a long time. And actually today, of course, psychologists and other people continue to think about how our thoughts affect our lives, affect our feelings, affect our actions, affect our future. Um, and so I actually want to invite Emily up this morning for just a moment. And she is going to kind of diagram a little bit of how these things interact with each other. And um, she's going to do an exercise she taught me one time that she does with some of her, her kids as she counsels them. Um, and I thought this would be kind of insightful to see how all of these things kind of interact together. Yeah, thanks. Um, so as Jonathan said, you know, the Proverbs have been around for thousands of years. Um, as we think in our heart, so we are. And in the last couple of hundred years, psychologists have sort of realized the truth of this, this wisdom, um, that our thoughts not only dictate um, you know, our thought life, but our feelings and our behaviors as well. So they came up with this really cool tool called the cognitive triangle. Cognitive because our cognitions, our thoughts, dictate not only our thought life, but our feelings, and our behaviors. So, 
you can really plot your thought, your feeling, and the resulting behavior for a lot of different situations. So, you know, maybe for you, a negative thought in your life occurs when you're commuting to Atlanta Monday through Friday in the morning. Um, or, you know, another one that's so common these days is, you know, you're scrolling through social media and someone maybe posts something that makes you a little angry, right? That never happens to me. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself here, Jonathan. All right, so someone posts something. So we might think that that situation is what makes us angry, but really, it's what we think, it's what we believe about that situation. So if someone posts something that we don't agree with, we probably think, they're not as smart as I am, right? They haven't figured it out like I've figured it out, right? Um, really, the underlying belief in there is that I know best. So that's our thought. So when we have that thought of I know best, this person doesn't know as much as I do, sometimes that makes us angry. We can start to feel superior. If only these people knew what I knew, right? So when we're feeling angry and we feel superior, we start to judge others, right? So we judge others, uh, you know, if we're feeling superior, maybe if we're feeling angry, if they post something, we'll post something angry back, right? So then they post something and you post something and you get into these wars which are not productive on any social media, right? Yeah, so when we judge and we get into this angry cycle, it reinforces this thought that I know best, it continues to make you angry, and you continue to feel that sort of righteous indignation, right? All right, so I'm gonna make it a little more personal. So this is one that often happens for me. If I can plot my own sort of cognitive triangle, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, I'm a therapist. Um, I deal Monday through Friday every day um, with kids who have been sexually and physically abused. And so oftentimes I have this feeling that I don't have what it takes. You know, whether it's, uh, sorry, I'm trying to write and talk at the same time. It's not going well for me. All right, so I don't have what it takes. You know, this kid is in a situation where, gosh, I've only been practicing for a couple years. This kid deserves someone who's been practicing like 20 years and knows exactly all the right things to say and they would do it perfectly. I'm doing it imperfectly, right? Or this kid is in a family situation or a community or a school that I feel powerless to change. And so I think I don't have what it takes to really make a difference in this kid's life. I'll confess that to you. So when I have that thought, I don't have what it takes, it makes me feel powerless. It makes me feel inadequate. And ultimately, 
it leads to a sense of hopelessness. So when I feel powerless, inadequate, hopeless, I kind of deal with those feelings in two different ways. The first is that I might disengage. Because I don't like feeling these things, right? If I can just kind of step out of the situation a little bit and not fully engage, then maybe I won't feel so powerless or inadequate or hopeless, right? Or if I start feeling guilty about disengaging, right? Then I'll try to go back and I'll kind of hustle for this sense of worthiness that try to make, my feel, make myself feel like I do have what it takes. So I'll go for every continuing education course, I'll go to supervision, I'll consult with other professionals, and the more I realize and the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know, right? So it sort of reinforces this thought that I don't have what it takes. So I'm going to leave that up here for right now. Yeah, and so, I mean, if you look at this, this triangle here with your, your thought up top, I mean, for you, that might not be your overarching negative thought, I don't have what it takes. I mean, your thought might be, I'm not good enough, hmm. or nobody loves me. Uh, what are some other ones there might be? Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm not blank enough, right? Mm. Or I'm too something. I'm too young. I'm not going to be taken seriously. Mm. I'm too old. No one wants to use me anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't trust anyone. Or no one can trust me because of what I've done in the past. Or everything is my fault. Yeah. yeah. There can be a lot of cognitions and thoughts that really rule our lives. Yeah. Okay, let's give Emily a round of applause. Thank you. So we have all of these thoughts in our heads. A lot of times, like you recognize in your self-assessment, they're negative. And I love what Craig Rochelle from Life Church he says. He says, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Just like we see in this triangle, our thoughts affect our feelings, which then influence our actions. And so our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so the question for us this morning is, are we excited about the direction that our lives are moving in? Or are we kind of afraid of that direction and we want a course correction? Do we want it to be different? And if we want it to be different, if we feel like our negative thinking is negatively impacting our lives, how do we change it? And so as we look at how we can change that, we're going to be looking at some wisdom from the Apostle Paul. And many of you are familiar with Paul and his life. Paul is somebody whose life was radically transformed by Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it, it was pretty much in an instant. He went from persecuting Christians to going and to planting churches all around the world. And Paul, as he went around preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, he had one overarching message, and that was that Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything everything. Jesus had changed everything for him, and he knew that Jesus wanted to change everything for everyone else in this world. And so he went around proclaiming the good news of Jesus, beginning with his birth, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He had entered into this world, God letting us know that he had not left us and he had not abandoned us. And that when Jesus lived his life, he lived a perfect life, a righteous life, free from sin, modeling for us what it looks like to perfectly love other people and perfectly love God, and he always proclaimed the cross, that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be 
reconciled to God. He took the punishment that we deserved upon himself. But Paul never ended with the cross. He always went to the resurrection. That on the third day, Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, and making a way for this world to be redeemed and for you and I to be made new. Paul always saw that Jesus, he doesn't want to just come tweak your life. He doesn't want to come just make it a little bit better, help you go in a little bit more of the same direction. No, Paul wanted you to know that through Christ, you can have a new life. He said this, he says, for those who are in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. And when we think about new life in Christ, we think about a new relationship with God. We think about a new place with him prepared for us in eternity. But it's not just something new in the future that God wants to do in our lives. It's something new that he wants to do now. He wants to transform our thoughts now. He wants to transform our feelings now. And he wants to transform our actions. He wants to transform the trajectory of our lives. And in one of his letters, in his letter to the Romans, to the church in Rome, Paul gives us some clues on how this transformation begins. And he says this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And pay attention to this verse, 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love how the New Living Translation puts this verse. I think we have it up here. It says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Paul knew that transformation began here. That when we begin changing the way we think, it changes the way we feel, and it begins to change the trajectory of our lives. And now as Paul continues in other letters, he begins to give us pieces of wisdom on how we can begin to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And one of them comes in 2 Corinthians, and it's really the first step of transforming our minds and renewing our minds, and that is this, that is taking our thoughts captive. That's the first step, taking our thoughts captive. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. That's the first step, taking captive every thought. And here Paul is using military language for the battle that's going on in our minds, for all of the thoughts that are just warring in our minds and in other people's minds. And look, you know how this works in the world. You know that every day your mind is filled with a thousand different things. And some of, some of our minds are moving a lot faster than others. Like I'm thinking about Oscar down here, you know, our worship leader. His mind is like bouncing around all the time, right? It's like squirrel, okay? My mind is like is more analytical and it's like trying to organize everything and trying to make my thoughts make sense. And others of us, you know, sometimes we just wake up and we have good thoughts. We're just filled with like, hey, this is going to be a great day. Anybody wake up with that thought this morning? This is just going to be a great day. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. People who wake up with that thought, right? That's some people, you know, it just comes from somewhere inside of us. It's awesome. Other thoughts, it's like they come from outside of us, from an enemy. And we just think, you're a loser. You can't do anything right. And, and that just comes in our minds. And we're like, where did that come from? Other times, we're driving down the road, and, and we just think, you know what? I need 
a Chick-fil-A peppermint milkshake. Where did that thought come from? I mean, you know, it's like advertisers are just inserting thoughts into our minds now. Sometimes thoughts that we heard years ago, stuff that people said to us years ago, pops up in our minds. You can't do anything right. Like, where did that come from? All the time we have these, these thoughts just warring for space and energy in our minds. And Paul says, he doesn't say, look, that, that we can just control every thought we have. A lot of thoughts are automatic. But he says this, we can take captive every thought. That is, we can capture our thoughts once we have them. Really, this is about paying attention to what we think and being aware of it. That is the first step of thinking about what we think about, is capturing our thoughts, taking them captive. And for me, I had the chance to do this earlier this week. I was on a walk with my dog, Henry. He's a, he's a year old now. He's kind of big. And it was like, you know, 80 degrees the other day. We're out walking. It's a beautiful, clear sky and just enjoying it. And sometimes I'll, I'll play on my phone. Sometimes I'll enjoy nature. And all of a sudden, I look down and I have a text message. And you know, on the iPhone, it just gives you like a preview. It just gives you the first sentence. And the message said, Jonathan, I need to talk. And then immediately, I just felt this sense of dread. I felt a sense of dread and anxiety. And I, I paused in that moment. And, and I began to capture my thoughts. I mean, I was having this, this feeling of, of dread, but I, I began to go back and say, why am I having this feeling? And the thoughts that I, I was having were... Uh, Here's another issue. Here's something else I got to deal with. I'm just trying to walk my dog. There's always something. Can't have a moment of peace, right? It's like, oh. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this right now. I'm on a walk. I just want to enjoy nature right now. And so I kept walking. But those feelings, they just kind of kept rising up within me. Those thoughts were cycling through my mind. And so finally I was like, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it right now. I'm going to make this phone call. I'm going to deal with this situation. So I open up the message, I read the message, and it says, Jonathan, I need to talk. I have some exciting news to share with you. <laughs> My mind got it wrong. Sometimes our minds, we, we insert details and we try to figure things out. In that moment, my mind was interpreting the message wrong. But my mind was doing something right in that I was able to capture those thoughts that I was having so that they can begin to be transformed. And you know how this happens in your life. I mean, you're, you're just somewhere like you're sitting for a job interview in, in the lobby, and you're just thinking, nobody's going to give me a job. Who would give me a job? I couldn't hold down my last job. And, and they just come up, and they, they just crop up, and, and they're there. A lot of times we don't pay attention to them, and then they, they let us... They affect us in the interview. Or you're walking down the street or you're at, you're at school and like this beautiful person with a beautiful smile walks by and it's just having an awesome day. And you think, man, if I was that beautiful, I'd be having a great day too, right? And you just kind of start comparing yourself to other people and, and feeling judgment. You're, you're going down. I mean, these thoughts just pop into our heads all the time. Somebody gives us a compliment and immediately our response is, well, they don't really mean that. They have to say that we're at church this morning and people have to smile and be nice at church. So they didn't really mean that. They don't like my outfit. I hate all my clothes, right? These things pop into our heads. And the first step to transforming our thoughts is capturing our thoughts, is paying attention to them to actually recognize and take time to think about 
what we're thinking about. But that's just the first step. That's the beginning. The next step is to begin to do something about it. And that second step, once we've captured our thoughts, is to compare them with the truth. Once we capture our thoughts, then we need to compare them with the truth. And and now, when we say the truth, we're talking about the truth that comes from God's Word. The revelation that we have from God. And this has come up again and again in the series. But if we're going to actually transform our thoughts, and we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by God's truth, we have to know God's truth. We have to be in His Word. We have to actually know what's true so that we're not deceived because people all around us will tell us different things. And so we have to be rooted in the Word. We have to compare our thoughts with the truth of what God says, what God thinks about us, and what God thinks about this world. And once we've compared our thoughts with the truth, then we can do what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 when he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here Paul is saying, think about those true things. Keep those in the forefront of your mind and you'll experience God's peace. And so here when we're comparing our thoughts that we're having, once we've captured our thoughts, we're comparing them with the truth. If they align with the truth and God's word and who God tells us we are, well then we keep them and we keep moving in that direction towards God. But if they don't align with that, we don't simply just resist them. We need to replace them. So if they, if they help us, they're true, and they're, they're moving us in the direction God wants us to go, we keep them. But if they're not true, we don't just resist them. We replace them. And so when we think, I'm not loved, we replace it with the truth that in Jesus Christ, we see that God loves every one of us. When we think, you know, I'm, I'm all alone and nobody cares about me, we remember the truth that God is always with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. When we think, you know what, I, I'm just struggling with this again, the same old sin, I'm always going to struggle with it my whole life, I'm always going to be angry, I'm always going to be hopeless, we think about Paul's words that in Christ we are a new creation, we have been born again. When we think about, you know what, I'm just... I, I'm just worthless and nobody can ever forgive me. God can't forgive me. I can't be trusted. All of this. We remember if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us and he will purify us of all unrighteousness. We take captive those thoughts. We compare them with the truth and then we live from that truth. And as we have that truth in our minds, it begins to transform our lives from the inside out. And so I want to invite Emily to come back up here to kind of go through the triangle again so that you can see what happens when we begin to change the thought that's up here at the top, how it begins to actually transform our feelings and our actions. Yeah, thanks. So this thought, I don't have what it takes. This is hard because sometimes it feels true to us, right? 
Um, but really, I think what's at the root of this is that I want to be able to control all the things that are beyond my control. And so if I think to myself, I don't have what it takes, I can hold that thought captive and compare it with the truth of what God says. And the truth is, yeah, sometimes I don't have what it takes to be God, right? So the truth that I tell myself is that God is greater than the challenges I face. And when I replace that thought of my own inadequacy and remind myself how great God is, then I can step into the role that he has for me. I don't have to worry about changing the circumstances of someone's life. I can, through the Holy Spirit, be the presence of Christ to someone who's in need. And when I change my thinking about that, I no longer feel hopeless. I feel hopeful. I feel empowered. Because I want to step into that role that God has for me. And when I feel hopeful and I feel empowered, instead of disengaging, I actually lean in to what God has for me. I want to be a part of it. And when I lean into the role that God has for me, I can let go of all of the other stuff, right? And when I do these, it reinforces this idea that God is greater. God is greater than these challenges that I'm facing. So let's go back to that other example. You know, you see something, you realize it makes you angry, and instead of thinking, I know best, I'm smart, they're dumb, I'm right, they're wrong, if instead we were to shift that thought and realize that every person is created in God's image, that changes everything. And when we think of people as created in God's image, what are some feelings that come up towards those people? Yeah, I think of compassion. You start to see them as human, right? Maybe even empathy. When you realize that someone is created in God's image, you try to understand them a little bit more, right? And instead of judging, when you feel compassion and empathy towards someone, what do you do? You love them. And we try, when we can feel compassion and empathy towards someone, we want to treat them the way that we want to be treated. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about, like, what would the world be like if, if that was how we viewed people in our interactions? I mean, everything would be transformed. And I think about, when I think about negative thoughts about how this is nothing new. I mean, sometimes we can think, oh, this is a modern problem or some modern issue, but people have been having negative thoughts since the beginning of time. And if you look in the Bible, I mean, there's plenty of people in the Bible who had negative thoughts. 
You think about Moses. God called Moses and said, hey, I want you to do a great thing. I want you to free my people from slavery. And what did Moses do? He's like, God, not me. Mm-mm. I don't have what it takes. I, I have uh, speech issues. I can't, I can't do that. You need to find somebody else. I think about the disciples, you know, they begin to follow Jesus and then he sends them out. He's like, hey, I want you to go do miracles. And they probably thought, we're just average guys, Jesus. We can't, can't do all that. Paul, when God called him to go and to proclaim the good news and to plant churches, he's probably in the back of his mind at times, his thought creeping up. God, these are the people I used to persecute. I used to oversee them being, being killed. You can't, you can't use me. Or Mary Magdalene, who was the first one to really experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he sent her to go and to tell other people. He said, go and tell other people. You know, for a second, she thought, they're not going to believe me. I'm a woman. God, why are, you, why are you sending me? I can't do this. But one of the reasons why we remember these people is because they didn't let those negative thoughts rule their lives. They took captive these thoughts that they had. They compared them with the truth of who God was calling them to be, of what God was calling them to do in the world, and they began moving in that direction. And as they did, their lives were changed. Other people's lives were changed. And over time, the world was changed. And here we are, the church today. And that's what God wants to do in your life as we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. He wants to change our thinking, change our feelings, and ultimately change our lives. And as our lives are changed by the grace of God, then we'll be a part of the transformation of other people's lives. And we'll get to take part in the transformation that God is doing in this world. And so this morning, as we close in prayer, um, I want to invite you if you're comfortable, to do kind of a sign act with me. And that is if you'll bow your heads and you'll put out your hands in front of you face down. So this is a posture of emptying. And this is a sign to God that God, we, we want to empty ourselves of these negative thoughts that we've been holding on to, that have been reigning and ruling in our minds. God, in this moment, we want to give these things to you. And so we're just going to have a moment. And if there's negative thoughts that are common in your life, I want you to just say to God, God, I turn these things over to you right now. Now I want you to turn your hands over facing heaven. into this posture of receiving. And this morning, our, our hope has been for you that, that you will receive the truth that God is speaking over you. That He loves you. That you are worthy of His love. That you are a child of God who is filled with the Holy Spirit who can do things far greater than you can ask or imagine. Receive the good news that you are never alone, that God is with you. He's with you in the wilderness, with you in the desert, with you in the tragedy. 
receive the good news that in Christ you are a new creation. Things have changed and things will continue to change. You are forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. Receive the good news that you are his beloved child. Replace those negative thoughts with those true thoughts about you. And God, we ask that as we replace those thoughts, as we live from the truth and in the truth, God, we ask that you would send us out to transform the world. God, that we would be ambassadors of your grace, ambassadors of your love. God, that the change would begin with us, but it wouldn't stay there. It would go forth and it would change the world. God, we ask that you would fill us, that you would break every chain holding us back from becoming who you are. We ask that you would help us to have a greater revelation of your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you.